More questions than answers. A week after a monumental abortion decision, we look at what happens next. Plus the finger pointing over a deadly derailment. But can you prevent every disaster? And at what cost? Those stories and the rest of the week's news straight ahead. Week in Review is made possible through the generous support of AARP Kansas City, RSM, Dave and Jamie Cummings, Bob and Marlise Gorley, the Courtney S. Turner Charitable Trust, John H. Mize and Bank of America N.A. co-trustees, and by viewers like you. Thank you. Hello and welcome, I'm Nick Haynes. Glad you could join us as we head into this 4th of July weekend together. So many questions about what's been happening in our metro this week. For the answers, we turn to Channel 9 Chief Political Analyst Michael Mahoney, keeping you up to date weekdays at 9 on KCUR-FM. Steve Kraske, from the pages of your Kansas City star, Dave Helling, and from our own newsroom here at Kansas City PBS, Mary Sanchez. I want to start with what I thought was one of the most striking statistics from this last week in Kansas City, and it relates to how Abortion has so dramatically changed where we live. In 1984, there were more than 20,000 abortions performed in Missouri at 26 clinics. In 2020, there were 167, and there was only one clinic women could go to. That facility run by Planned Parenthood in St. Louis has now notified the Missouri Department of Health that it is ceasing abortion care in the state. The clinic will stay open but pivot to providing only contraceptives and preventative care. In Kansas, there are four abortions clinics and rather than shutting down there are multiple news accounts of abortion doctors from as far as California gaining Kansas medical licenses so they can fly to the state to help keep up with the demand for the procedure last year in Kansas there were 7,500 abortions most performed on women coming from out of state that's the lay of the land this week let's start though in Missouri which has banned all abortions except in cases of medical emergencies rather several viewers asking this week Mary most contentious political issues today end up in court. We've seen Utah and Louisiana got judges there putting a halt to those trigger laws going into effect. Any evidence of that happening in Missouri? It has not yet. Um, I think everything, though, is going into the courts, and that's really the land of, that we're entering now. As different states try and, you know, people try and push back against the trigger laws as new laws are introduced, as, you know, some of the clinics are trying to stay in business. There's the whole issue of going interstate, which I'm sure we'll get to in more depth here recently. Think of this as a legal issue at this point. Never mind the difference between states. We also have district attorneys in different parts of Missouri saying, I'm not going to prosecute uh, any of these abortion laws. So it really does depend on what zip code you're in, Steve. It's amazing. Gene Peters Baker, uh, other uh, prosecuting attorneys, uh, Mark Dupree and Casey Kaye, coming out and saying, we're not going to go after these cases. So people should pay attention to that because it's going to matter a lot going forward. You know, over the last few years in Missouri, uh, Michael Mahoney, we've had uh, voters go to the polls. They've approved medical marijuana. They've approved expansion of Medicaid. They've approved increasing the minimum wage. Could uh, citizens, along with uh, pro-choice groups, come together to try and put a ballot measure on the Missouri ballot in November or perhaps in the spring uh, to change abortion law? I'm not sure it's going to happen this year, but it may happen for the very reasons that you stated, that citizens in Missouri and the initiative petition process is a lot easier than it is over in Kansas. And we'll talk about value of them both in a moment. But uh, it, it, it could happen. The polls suggest that uh, the Missouri voters and Missourians are not as conservative on the abortion question as the legislature. 
I want to move on to Kansas. And I mentioned, for instance, I showed you uh, what was happening uh, with the most striking statistic. I want to look at this most striking uh, piece of video that I saw this week. It's from one of the main TV stations in Dallas that's now telling its viewers, if you want an abortion, head to Kansas. Kansas, by the way, Wichita, Kansas, would be the closest that a woman from DFW would be able to go find abortion care. Uh, but I say that that one comes with a big asterisk because August 2nd, voters in Kansas are going to go to the polls to decide whether to take away any protection for abortion in the state constitution there. So that could be changing. That is one of those states where we might see a difference being made. But again, right now, that's the closest drive, at least uh, six hours away. So while Kansas has some of the least restrictive laws in the country right now, that soon could change, as that Dallas-based station mentions. Next month, there is that amendment on the ballot in Kansas, Dave Helling, that will let state lawmakers set abortion policy. What happens if it passes? Well, then the state legislature and the governor, whoever the governor might be, would then be involved in discussion as in terms of how you would regulate abortion or eliminate abortion rights or, or, or eliminate it altogether in the state of Kansas. Uh, and we should not doubt that that attempt would be made. In fact, but, it it's may not gonna, but, but you're looking at a situation in Kansas. The legislature doesn't meet until January, so it would be months before that would it actually would take, take place. It would take some time, sure, unless there was a special session called. But that seems highly unlikely, possible. But no, uh, uh, January. But you're going to get that anyway, Nick. You're going to get in Kansas and Missouri, regardless, frankly, of what happens in Kansas, attempt by conservative lawmakers to push the boundaries of what is allowed and is not allowed. And Stephen Mary just talked a little bit about the legal situation in the courts. The reality is that the legislature has been obsessed with this issue for 30 years, and that's not going away, regardless of what the Supreme Court said in Missouri or Kansas. What voters will decide in August in Kansas is whether or not the Constitution gives the legislature the ability to restrict abortion or if it does not. Could there be a special session? I'm even? not so sure that you can rule it out uh, because the Kansas legislature can call itself into session. In fact, they just did it last year on vaccine mandates and on an issue like this with the, uh, the makeup of the, uh, the legislature in the fall of an election year. I wouldn't rule it out. Steve. You know, just to underscore Dave's point, Nick, for your viewers, it is not only possible, it's likely that this amendment, this vote in August, is on whether abortion will continue to be uh, allowed in Kansas or not. It's really that stark of a choice here. What I found on my show up to date this week, we had a values them both spokesperson on the show. She was talking about, you know, safety and health regulations and all that kind of thing. I think that's really kind of a smokescreen here. The question on the ballot is, because Dave's right, if this thing passes, lawmakers will go after outlawing abortion outright in Kansas, just as it is in Missouri right now. Let's head over to Missouri again. Another big question, Mary, is how businesses will react. Jack McQuinton Lucas claims he's heard from a company that is now declining to come to Kansas City because of Missouri's abortion law. In a social media post, he says he expects more to follow, but he hasn't given any names. Absolutely. I think you could make that, and I don't doubt that he's telling the truth. The problem is this is a national issue, and it is going state by state by state as the efforts to you know, close down on abortion access is just going to continue. So where are these businesses going to go? Not everyone's going to end up in California. I mean, that's just it's just not going to happen. Another huge issue with this is with the abortion pills and the interstate commerce of being able to put those pills into the mail. 
that's going to be a whole other both legal issue and frankly just a ramification for people who are well, affected. We should point out there will be an effort in Missouri again to prohibit uh, Missourians from traveling to other states where abortion is legal. That will certainly come up again. Uh, there's discussion, Nick, of a law that would uh, allow individual citizens to sue to prevent that type of thing. There's model legislation being prepared uh, that would prohibit websites from offering abortion counseling in some states. So all that's going to be the, on the agenda. And just quickly, this is not just about abortion. It will be about other decisions involving same-sex marriage and contraception. All of that will be tested by legislators going forward. Next spring, you will, the next winter and spring, you will see bill after bill introduced by conservatives in both states that will really test the boundaries of what the court is willing to accept or not accept, not just on abortion, but a whole range of personal freedom issues. Nick, the level of confusion here going forward is going to be enormous. The number of lawsuits, the uncertainty, the ambiguity in what state law calls for, people just better strap in and hang on here because we don't know where we're going and it's going to be confusing for a long time to come. And you have companies like Dick's Sporting Goods that operates in Missouri saying we're going to give $4,000 to help people who are our employees if they need to terminate their pregnancies out of state, $4,000. City Hall in Kansas City Absolutely. looking to do something else a little bit more modest. But couldn't that be viewed, Michael Mahoney, as a way of uh, being against the law that you are aiding and abetting a crime because now we're making it a felony? Well, this goes back to what Steve was talking about, about the interpretation of various local prosecutors on this and how how strictly they, they, they want to apply this stuff. We'll, we'll see. You know, i got to believe that in the choice movement and the, the defenders of Planned Parenthood and that entire crowd, they must stay, stay awake at night going, why didn't the Democrats codify Roe versus Wade when they had an opportunity? They had 50 years to do it, and they, 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 they didn't. Meanwhile, the right-to-life groups and conservatives chipped away and chipped away and chipped away That's at right. this That's over right. decades, and they have now got their goal. It is playing out in lots of ways you couldn't have predicted, and we saw the St. Luke's health system this week saying they were not going to provide any more emergency contraceptives uh, to their patients, and yet all of a sudden, even though that was making national news, all of a sudden then they, they reverse course. What happened there, Mary? I think that is actually part of this confusion. People mm -hmm. are confusing yep. what is Plan B and what is abortion pills. And that, that is what drove that, and it's also driving some of the somewhat conspiracy theories at this point about lack of access to contraception. That is still very legal. But then when you draw in all these issues of, again, I keep going to where it's going to head, putting things in the mail, putting those abortion pills in the mail, that's where people get confused. And there's just, there's just the reality of as much as I say, and we're all correct saying that this is illegal, this is legislative, real people are involved. And that is what we really need to keep an eye on as well. What happens? quickly. St. Luke's uh, spokesperson, Nick, talking about the real fear inside that system that its own doctors yeah. could be sued or prosecuted as a result of providing Plan B or the morning after pill. That's what drove the original decision. And then you look back in the middle of uh, this past week on the St. Luke's question, this thing whips on back yes. and forth over a 24-hour period with St. Luke's eventually saying, yeah, we will provide these, uh, 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 these, these medications. But it was going back and forth all day on Wednesday. 
Um, what are the implications for this? Uh, do we know at any point at this point when you think about elections that are coming up this November in our own backyard in Kansas and Missouri, Dave? It will certainly be an issue in Kansas between Derek Schmidt and uh, Laura Kelly. It may be an issue in the Missouri Senate race, uh, although Missouri, again, is a very conservative state on this question, so I don't know whether it will rise to the top of the most important issue. It will matter in state legislative races again, Nick, because the state legislatures will be the center of, of this right. debate. And by the way, uh, you know, the idea that abortion might be illegal across the country is on the table, too, because there's some theory among pro-life groups that the Supreme Court, if given the chance, would declare abortion itself, the act of it, unconstitutional because it deprives the fetus of life, and not what the court said, which is it goes back yeah, to the states. Be surprised we'd go that far. Yeah. Well, well yeah. they all say that, and of course mm -hmm. we're surprised no, that it fair. went this far. So, mm -hmm. so uh, there is uh, enormous uh, play in the joints, as they say on this Michael. issue. Abortion in Missouri politics could come up in this fa uh, fashion. It's certainly going to be played out between Schmidt and, and Kelly. I agree with Dave on that. If Trudy Bush Valentine is the Democratic nominee from the get-go, uh, Bush Valentine said, I value a woman's right to choose. She has a, a career as a nurse, and uh, she constantly br brings that up. I suspect that she would make that a major issue with whomever comes out of the Republican primary. If the news isn't already anxiety-inducing enough, more panic this week after an Amtrak train derails after leaving Kansas City on its way to Chicago. Four people have been confirmed dead, and dozens of others have been hospitalized after eight cars and two locomotives toppled over after striking a truck on an uncontrolled public crossing. First of all, what does that mean, Steve? Does it mean that there are no barriers that automatically come down when a train is approaching, no flashing lights or alarm bells? Nick, that's exactly what it means, and there are hundreds and hundreds of similar crossings all across the state of Missouri and in so many rural parts of Kansas as well and across the country, Nick. Well, and especially if you know rural America, I mean, there are crossings like this. This one looked especially dangerous yes. from what we know so far just because of the grade and the angle. Everyone in that community also knew about this crossing, that it was a problem. NTSB will go through, I mean, what they do is they recreate very, very well. What I want to hear is a recreation of why that money did not get flown, did not pass through enough to actually get the change mm -hmm. Yes, I, I saw a Channel 9 report relating to that, Michael Mahoney. Right. It said that, you know, the, even a state report said it would cost about $400,000 to fix up that railroad crossing. The head of the NTSB, by the way, says there are 30,000 passive crossings nationwide, 3,500 in Missouri. That would be $1.4 billion just in Missouri. Who pays for all that? Well, uh, there, there is federal money that can do this. Uh, MoDOT has money to do this, but they're not uh, dedicating a lot of it. And they've also got a resolve between the Burlington Northern and Santa Fe Railroad and MoDOT and the federal uh, regulatory agencies with, with railroads about who would, pay, who would pay for this. One thing I want to point up uh, uh, to folks here for a second, this is an extremely steep incline yes. going up to this uh, set of railroad tracks, which is a very busy railroad system from Chicago to L.A. I've been on it many times. Um, and the thing about it is, is they raise these tracks like this, especially in rural states, especially in this part of Missouri, because of the floods in 93, and, and because of that, they raise the tracks up, so even if the bottom land around it gets uh, uh, 
flooded, flooded, the tracks remain dry and they stay open. Could be a $1.4 billion problem, though, Dave. I mean, if you were looking at saving lives, couldn't you spend that much money and saving even more lives by spending it on something else, like putting uh, devices in yeah. vehicles, you know, that detects alcohol well, and stops people from drunk driving? Right. There's always a cost-benefit ratio, as crass as that sounds when human life is involved, but people make that decision. In this case, I'm... I'm I've read the stories. It's a little shocking. It costs four hundred thousand dollars to is. put up lights and a crossing yeah. guard. The other thing uh, I want to do with the grade of that road yeah. and yeah. lots yeah. of other things. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The right. So, but the other thing I'd like to know: federal law, federal railroad law, does require the train operator to blast the horn uh, before they reach one of these. Uh, uh, grade crossings, and so I'd be interested to know if that happened. There are regulations that reduce the sound of the horn. Whether that was involved, that seems to be an issue. I, I should well. point also, by the way, the Federal um, Railroad Administration says in the five-year period that uh, started in 2015, more than 1,500 drivers went around a lowered gate and were struck by a train. So even if you have all of those mechanisms in place, it doesn't stop people from still trying to uh, subvert what was there. In other news, Missouri Governor Mike Parsons signed legislation this week raising the amount of money Kansas City is required to spend on its police department. The governor held a bill signing ceremony at Kansas City Police Headquarters. It requires City Hall to spend at least 25% of its general fund revenue on police services. Mayor Lucas claims the City Council already regularly funds the police department above the 25% threshold. If that is the case, Mary, why is the mayor saying he's heading to court to fight this? Because they're setting a, a larger precedent. They're trying to deal with the local control issue. It is very true, and we cannot underline this enough. They already fund over 25%. Our police department is very expensive. We've already done that. So that immediately needs to draw into question is why did this go through the legislature? It's because they're not listening to the people here in Kansas City, they're not even real in real dialogue with the Kansas City Police Department to know how the funding is being used. There are questions about how you fund, but just simply funding more doesn't mean that your crime's going to lower. We need to look at a lot of things within this department, and we will be going forward as they start to choose a new chief. The, uh, Governor Parsons' signature didn't end this. Of course, it has to go to voters uh, to get their approval this November. Is it just Kansas City voters who do this, or people across the state of Missouri that will be deciding the funding in Kansas City? Nick, people across the state are going to be voting on this, and you can imagine that most folks in rural Missouri, uh, the temptation is going to be to stand with the police, uh, stand with this higher funding, from my vantage point, it's hard to see this thing being defeated because uh, folks will stand with the you, you don't think yeah. people in Cape Girardeau and Springfield will look at Mayor Lucas's arguments and say, no, I'm going to side with you on this? To the degree that they see the commercials on this, it's going to say, stop Kansas City from defunding the police. That's, right. That's, That's what that message is going to be. Um, this, this has a good chance of, uh, of passing. The, the court battle over this is not going to be on the bill raising the money to 25%. It's about the authority of the legislature to do it and the Hancock Amendment. Mr. Hey, Helling. I've written a little bit about this, as you may know. The vote in November is to overturn a part of the Hancock Amendment, which prohibits the legislature from imposing added costs on local governments, counties and cities, and the state of Missouri will be asked to overturn that part of it as it pertains to Kansas City Police. 
If it can be framed that way, I think there might be a chance that it would lose, in part because the people in Cape Girardeau and Springfield are likely to be offended by the idea that the legislature can tell any city how much it needs to spend on anything, let alone just the police department. If it's framed the way Steve suggests, maybe it will, it will pass. That doesn't mean there won't be legal challenges both at the state level, Nick, and at the federal level on an equal protection question because it applies only to Kansas City, and that has upset the mayor. For the record, only 93 percent of the opinions and articles you've written in the Star over the last year were about police funding. Sports betting finally becomes legal in Kansas this week, but don't expect to be betting on your favorite teams quite yet. Governor Laura Kelly says the state is still setting up the rules for the new law, and the first sports wages won't be permitted until September. Under the measure, 80 percent of all the cash that's brought in will be deposited into a fund for attracting a professional sports team to Kansas, contributing to speculation that the state is trying to lure the Chiefs across the state line. But newsflash, Governor Kelly has now poured cold water on that idea, saying any past remarks about the possibility were tongue-in-cheek. Kelly says she's never approached the Chiefs, nor has anybody in her administration. Should there be a huge sigh of relief, then, Steve, this week from Kansas Cityans who may have been worried that Arrowhead may be on the move? Well, I don't think this drama is over yet. If Laura Kelly is saying this is tongue-in-cheek, then why set aside the separate fund for the possibility of luring a team like the Chiefs across the state line? Listen, the big question on the table, the macro question here is, can an entity like Jackson County and taxpayers therein, can, we, can they continue to afford paying for both these big stadiums going forward? Dave's pointed out many times, you improve, you build a new stadium for the baseball team, the Chiefs are going to want something similar. Can the county afford to do both? I think that's why Kansas interests are circling around here, because they sense blood in the water and maybe an opportunity to bring a professional sports team to that state. And some of those costs are going up. We've been hearing in the last week about the, the improvements necessary to host the World Cup at Arrowhead Stadium is going to be around $50 million. Who's on the hook for paying that? That's a good question. Uh, that has not been determined yet. And, and uh, just to finish the, uh, Steve's thought on, uh, on the Chiefs Fund over, over in Kansas, that was a shiny object put into the bill simply to draw a few more votes. It's, it, it wouldn't generate the nearly uh, close to the amount of money uh, that they would need to, to, to pull that off. The big question, and a very important question, is, whether, is where this money comes from uh, to make these sorts of uh, improvements that they have to make at Arrowhead for the World Cup. And quite simply, why they got, got to do it? The, the Arrowhead field is not wide enough for uh, World Cup soccer regula regulation field, so they got to uh, open up the corners uh, down, down in the uh, all four of the end zones. As we're talking about the World Cup, by the way, I will tell you that uh, last week, as we mentioned, they were the push to bring the streetcar to the stadiums. Now we see, as we record this program, it looks like the head of the KCATA is on the way out, and they're bringing in the head of the KC streetcar potentially to run the bus service. Is that also connected to the World Cup? I think there is a marginal connection between the idea that mass transit will be critical to pull off the World Cup visit in 2026 and that someone in the city or the county or the region needs to get a handle on all of the ways that we move people by bus, by streetcar, and other things. And so I think that's part of what's involved here. There are other personalities and politics involved, but part of this is involving the World Cup. Mary. Absolutely it is. Um, and Robbie Mackinnon is the person that is in question right now, and I will fess up, I went to college with him. Um, conflict of interest. A little bit of conflict of interest. Um, but I would say is that he has done such a great job of speaking for the people who do use mm -hmm. bus service. 
and I think maybe he has gotten crosswise with some people, perhaps because of that strong voice on it. But I think whatever happens this afternoon, and he may well be gone by the time this airs, we do owe some gratitude to Robbie McEnany for his service so far. Well, and we'll certainly pick that up on that issue next week. You know, when we put a program like this together every week, you can't get to every story grabbing the headlines. What was the big local story we missed? Masks are back. Jackson County now requiring face coverings in all government buildings after an uptick in COVID cases. Masks also back at City Hall. We talked about it last week, now it's official. The lead investigative counsel for the January 6th Select Committee now launching an independent bid for Missouri's U.S. Senate seat. The head of Johnson County government now back at work after suffering a mild stroke. Ed Eilert says he has no plans to step aside. He retires at the end of the year. Thousands of National Guard soldiers in Kansas and Missouri face dismissal this week as a mandatory COVID vaccine deadline expires. The Missouri National Guard has some of the lowest vaccination rates in the country. It's been a rough season for the Royals and it's about to get even rougher. Salvador Perez out for eight weeks to recover from thumb surgery. And does this really count as news? Why a gender reveal became one of our week's biggest social media stories. Kansas City getting ready to celebrate America's birthday, but prepare for sticker shock if you're hosting your own backyard fireworks show. The cost of fireworks up 35% on last year. And a little show called Kansas City Week in Review begins its 30th season this week. There's been quite a few hosts over the years, though my little Welsh tush has been in this seat for quite a few of them. What many people do not realize is you actually got your start in public broadcasting, didn't you? I did. I might have been in your seat if I had really stuck with it. This really has to be the ugliest set. What? This has to be the ugliest set. Mm -hmm. It's public television, baby. All righty, just some moments from 30 years ago. Hey, Michael Mahoney, did you pick one of those stories or something completely different? Yeah, the John Wood Independent Senate can uh, campaign is just the latest wrinkle in what has been an ongoing, fascinating Missouri Senate race. And happy anniversary. Thank you, Mary. John Wood, just to see Jack Danforth on TV promoting civility in politics is something that I'll praise. Dave. We discussed the possibility of a pro-choice referendum on abortion in Missouri. There could be an effort to put an anti-choice or a pro-life amendment on the ballot. In some situations I've discussed with people, you could have both on the same ballot in Missouri. The one with the most votes would win. And Steve Kresge. Yeah, congratulations on 30 years. <laughs> and I picked the U.S. Senate race, too. New reporting this week from the Missouri Independent suggesting that Republican insiders now expect that Eric Greitens, the disgraced former governor, could very well win that primary in August. That would flip this state upside down. And we are 30 years old. America is 246 years old this week. We've got a lot to say. Oh, oh, wow. This is impressive. There you go. Oh, I love the slogan. Keep calm and carry on, which we always like to say on this show. Be well, keep calm and carry on. But thanks to Mary Sanchez, Steve Kraske, Michael Mahoney, and Dave Helling. Are you willing to help me blow out these candles? And a piece of the cake. We took the cap to John Masterman, the original. The original host of the show, yes. I'm blowing them out. Thank you for watching over 30 years. We appreciate you. Be well, keep calm, and carry on, everyone.